0: Our scripture reading today is found in Exodus chapter 1, that's page 45 of your Pew Bible, and also in Hebrews uh, chapter chapter 11, and that is on page 1008. Let us pray. Almighty God, we know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And God, we know that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. And Lord, likewise, we know that only your Holy Spirit can truly reveal to our hearts your word as it is rightly divided before us. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit today would seal it in our hearts. God, that words that are coming from this holy, most precious book, that you've given us for our benefit and your glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. (coughs) Exodus chapter two verse one. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his as his wife, a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took him, took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it, and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, and he said to the man in, his, in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? And he answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you kill the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known, when Pharaoh heard it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses, kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the, in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than wealth and the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. The word of God for the people of God. You
1: know, when Baker was up here making announcements, all I could think was, it's an impressive mustache that makes a beard feel weak. You know? <laughs> So, we're looking at Hebrews. And we've uh, been looking at how the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that faith isn't just looking back to what Jesus has done for us in the past, though that is part of it. It's also looking to the future and what God is going to do, what He's going to bring about in establishing His kingdom, that we, we have a hope. Um, for something that is to come, and that hope is to make us continue, and that hope is to be working in our lives now, and we're seeing how each of these uh, figures that were um, um, recounting the story of their faithfulness, and uh, we're we're seeing different aspects of what faith is. And today, we're going to look at how faith distinguishes us from the world around us. Faith distinguishes us from the world around us. Where your hope is, is going to make a change um, that you're going to be different from the people who make their hope in the world and the the things of this world, right? So, if if I'm hoping for the kingdom, if I'm trusting in Christ, that means I'm going to be different than people who are hoping in building a career, building power here, and um, having, you know, just all the maximizing entertainment and profit. Not that those things in themselves are bad, but when they become our ultimate hope, um, it's not making God our hope. And so our lives ought to look a little different. And I want us to look at, um, as we're we're seeing this life of Moses, let me remind us what he's talking about. The first event is that Pharaoh had said, you're going to kill all the male children in Israel. You're to take them and cast them into the Nile. Um, this is after uh, midwives had been disobedient to the command to kill. And so he said, you know, you're, you're going to go kill them. And Moses's parents say no. And, and they hide him. And, and then they they trust him to God's providence. And he's saved and he's rescued. And what we see here, this first thing is
0: their faith
1: led to a higher obedience than the powers of this world, right? Pharaoh was king. His word was law. What he said is what people were to do. And in this world, we have rulers over us. We have kings, and we have powers, and we have different forms that um, are the highest power, worldly speaking. And yet, God's people have always understood we have an allegiance higher than any king on this earth, than any body of um, uh, lawmakers in this earth. Now, as Christians, we are called to be obedient to the laws of wherever we are in so far as they don't contradict God's law. So, no Christian can drive over 55 and say it's an unjust, unbiblical law, um, you can, we won't discuss other things about, but you can't just say, I don't like this law. But what we've seen is
0: Pharaoh says, kill the children.
1: Killing is wrong. No, there's a law above the Pharaoh and we won't do it. We'll pay the consequences, but we're not going to do it. Daniel and the others in Babylon, they're told you can't Pray to your God, and you're going to worship and bow down to this idol. And Daniel says, you know, I'm, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to do everything I can to be the best, you know, bureaucrat I can be and, and help you to prosper, and I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to do everything I can to build up Babylon. But when you say this, that's opposed to God's law, and I will not obey. Because God's law is above, holds a higher allegiance than the the Babylon king. Early apostles are set apart and said, you cannot preach about Jesus. You can't tell others about Jesus. And what do they say? They they don't say, we're going to do whatever we want on anything. We're going to be obedient. But on this aspect, it's better to obey God than man. And what we see is when you have an understanding that there is a power above worldly powers and your hope is there and your trust is there, there's a resilience to say, I have, I, I can judge the goodness of earthly powers on this basis. I, I'm, I can have to be obedient to the one I will ultimately hold account to. And we have brothers and sisters around the world today who suffer because... They're unwilling to go against God's law to obey the law of tyrannical and persecuting men. And, and it's a good thing to know that we have an allegiance that's higher than earthly power. So that's the first thing we see. And because of that, we're we're capable of kind of judging societies and governments and powers. You know, if we just said, hey, whatever is legal, whatever's in power is right then you'd have to say, well, the Nazi regime was okay with the horrendous things they were doing because it was all legal. It was all the governmental structures that chose it. But because we have a higher power, we can look back and say, no, that is wrong. That, and other aspects of our own society that we can say, this is wrong. And to the extent that we're called to contradict, we would say, no, we are obedient to Christ. The second thing Moses is rescued. He's brought into Pharaoh's house as Pharaoh's grandson, the daughter of Pharaoh. That had to be a really cool life. Think of it. You're, you're in the greatest power of the world at the time. They're really wealthy. Great entertainment has to be. Wonderful power and prestige. You probably get just about anything you want. And yet, Moses it says he grows up and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So we see that faith means that we hold a higher allegiance. Faith also means we're willing to bear the reproach of Christ. Moses does away with the treasures and the the fleeting um, things of Egypt. And the kingdoms of this world. He would have had everything anyone could want. But he says, I'm going to be with my people, God's people. And isn't it amazing? It says he bears the reproach of Christ, the one who's going to come thousands of years later. Somehow him willing to identify with God's people is identifying with Christ and the reproaches of Christ himself. And so he turns away from all the things that would have boosted him up and was willing to endure mistreatment and the reproach. Faith, true faith, is a faith that is willing to bear the reproach of Christ. Reproach is looking down on someone, judging them, disdain, saying there's something wrong there it's saying this is you know a little bit of um they're they're different and they're less than and here's the thing nobody well there's there's not many especially around us who would say, um oh, you're a Christian, I don't like Christians, oh, you're a Christian, you're less than right I mean that's just not the way it works I mean, we we still have a culture that kind of says, oh, it's christian, that's a good thing we we like but there's a big difference in saying you're a Christian and following Christ, of saying you're Christian, but you're going to reinterpret Christian to look like anything else in the world around you, and bearing the reproach of Christ, following Jesus in a way that is out of step with the world around us. There's a whole lot of people who say that they're a church, that they say they're Christian, but anytime this contradicts the world around us, they chunk this out and say, they're not those kind of Christians. But to be a Christian is to, to bear the reproach of Christ, to have true faith, is, is to be willing to be out of step and be ridiculed, maybe looked over. The different things, it's it's usually pretty subtle. It's not as though anybody goes, ha ha, there's a Christian or anything like that. But if you're truly following Christ, there's a sense in which we're going to bear a reproach. Let me let me give a few examples. One is, we're a culture that judges people on wealth and money. You know, you, you drive up in a nice car with the right brands of clothes, you're going to get treated and judged very different than the experimental when I was driving that 99 Corolla with a two different color paint jobs on it. You know, it's just... you're judged. And here's the thing, if if you say you're a Christian, it's not noticeable. But if you're truly following Christ, the one who spoke more about money than about almost anything else, you're going to change your spending habits. You're going to give sacrificially, routinely, in such a way that it's going to impact your lifestyle. If you're following Christ and his call to be a generous person, to give to those in need, to support missions, to support work of the church, to do those sort of things, it's going to give about a 10% ding in your lifestyle, right? Your vacation choices might be a little bit different. There's going to be just some small differences if you're really generous and giving the way Christ calls us to give. And so there's going to be those subtle things of judgment that just, you know, you're you're going to vacation different than somebody who makes the same amount of money you but doesn't believe. You're going to have different things than somebody who makes the same amount of money but doesn't follow Christ. It's just, it's a subtle, small way we bear reproach. The second thing, in a world that is that sees sex as an appetite to be fed, a way of self-expression, um, something that has so much control that how dare we try to control it, that 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 sees it part of the essence of being for a tri- Christian, not just someone who says they're a Christian, but someone who's going to follow Christ in obedience. We're going to have a different lifestyle when we see... The scriptures show of marriage between one man, one woman, where there's a covenant lifelong commitment is the only place for sexual relations. It's not something that just to give pleasure to the individual. It's something that is part of a commitment of the self financially, legally, future of all these things. Man, you're going to be weird. If you're single and living chaste, it's gonna raise suspicions. You're, you're gonna be strange, and if if you're, you know, just holding to the view of what this is supposed to be biblically, at the best, we'll come out as, you know, backwards prudes. And worst, hateful bigots. Right? I mean, And there is a reproach there that if you're following and if you're a single guy and you're not kind of talking about exploits, then you're going to look down on. There's going to be a reproach to bear. Let I me mean, give a third. We respect people who can get things done and take care of things and nobody's going to take advantage of them and mess with them, right? Somebody who can go in and you know, they talk, people listen, and better not mess with me. I'll make you pay. We follow a Christ who tells us, turn the other cheek and forgive. We follow a Christ who says, I'm going to let others have their way and love them rather than insist on getting my way all the time. And if we're following a Christ who suffered and was willing to endure sin rather than make those suffer, we call it a coward. We're going to look weak. What's wrong with him? I would never let anybody say that to me and get away with it. What's the matter with her? She's a pushover. And so that subtle reproach of anyone who would forgive and show grace and not run down and make someone pay and get retribution, these are the ways that we bear Christ's reproach. Moses bore the reproach of Christ, and we are to be willing if we follow Christ, if we have faith in Him, and that following Him is the way to true happiness and joy and success and His kingdom. Then we're willing to say, I really don't care what you think. You can call me whatever. Um, just as a side, I, I discovered a secret power when I realized. Call me a fundamentalist. I don't care. I'm going to just do what the Scripture says. I, I, it was amazing how little control people started having over me. The third thing, faith distinguishes us because we are the people who are marked by the blood of the slain lamb. The, the, the final story I want us to see is the story of the Passover. They suffered. They, they had been um, in slavery in Egypt. The, the plagues had come. And it was the final plague. There was the Passover where the lamb was slain. They ate the meal that points to the meal that we're, the same thing this meal points to that we're about to celebrate. And, and the blood of the lamb covers the household, the house of those who are trusting in Christ, trusting in God. And, and so the judgment comes in the angel of the destroyer. And what we see is a visual representation of everything we've been talking about. God is distinguishing between those who are trusting in the Lamb and those who are trusting in Pharaoh, those who are looking for assurance from the Lamb and those who are looking for assurance from the worldly powers and wealth and the military and everything else of the powers of Egypt. And when judgment comes, only those marked with the blood of the Lamb are spared. Their hope is in the blood of the Lamb. Their hope is in this. And isn't that who we are? As we are baptized, we are marked as Christ's own. We are distinguished from the world around us. We are marked with the blood of the Lamb as those who are covered under Him, and our hope is in Him. We've identified with Him. We've said, I'm part of Him, not part of Pharaoh, not part of Babylon, not part of Rome, not part of this world that's around me, but I'm part of Christ and His church and His people. I'm marked with the blood of the Lamb. And what that means is you are now identifying with one who identifies with you. You're you're marked with the blood of the one who came to identify and say, I'm leaving the, the wealth of this throne and this power to come to see the suffering and enslaved in these people. And he is the one who identifies with us such that he takes our reproach. He takes our sin and our shame and he goes to the cross, fulfilling what that blood is pointing to, that we are forgiven and that we are brought out of the slavery to the things of this world, the slavery towards wealth and popularity and power and all the things that this world offers and can't give, that we've said, I'm free from that. Because if those are the things that you're trying to find your hope, they will never do anything but enslave you. If, if I think wealth is what's going to really satisfy me, then I'm going to do everything to make money, and I'm just going to be enslaved to it, and it's not going to give what I hope. If I think being popular, I'm going to do all these things to try to get people to like me, and I'm going to be enslaved to the crowd. And so you're freed from that just as they were freed from Egypt by being marked by this blood and be brought into Christ's kingdom, into his promised land where our hope truly lies. Our faith is in the risen Christ, and true faith in that means I'm willing to submit to a higher authority than anything around me. It means I'm willing to bear the reproach and not care about the judgment of those around me because I'm caring about the judge of all the world, and it means I'm marked with one who identified with me in his suffering and shame. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Nicene Creed.